3: Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood. Our next guest is a former American football running back who played in the National Football League NFL for 12 seasons. He's played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Atlanta Falcons, and then back to the Buccaneers. In addition to an impressive on-field accomplishments and a resume, he is perhaps best known for his philanthropic efforts through his various programs and organizations and nonprofits: Home for the Holidays, Count Your Future, Sculpt, and Hearts for Community Services scholarships. Money Movers, please welcome all-star running back with a heart of gold, Warwick Dunn. <laughs> no,
4: I appreciate you having me, that was pretty cool. That was oh, pretty cool. Well,
3: well. Show. I mean, it's our honor and privilege to have you here, you know, not for what, not just for what you've done on the field with the Falcons, but also what you've done in the community, both here in Louisiana. So it's truly a privilege to have you on the Money Moves podcast today. So good morning and welcome.
4: No, well, I appreciate you guys having me. I look forward to it.
3: So let's start at the beginning, work because um, I am truly impassioned by your story. Um, and so I want to go back to the beginning because I feel like you... And I both share um, a very pivotal life experience that happened to us early on. And I want to talk about, um, you know, coming from a single parent household and you suffered a great loss in the very early days of life.
4: Yeah. So uh, most people know me uh, from housing, right? Mm -hmm. They think I give housing away, but you know, all of that started because I lost my mom when I was 18 years old and being a high school, senior in high school, you know, two days after my 18th birthday, my mom was ambushed. She was shot and killed, and she was a Baton Rouge City police officer. So she was killed in the line of duty, and I'm the oldest of six. So I had to uh, become an adult at 18 years old and help raise my proud brothers and sisters. And, you know, it's just been a journey ever since then uh, of, you know, being a parent, but also still trying to accomplish the goals that I had for myself or Mm -hmm. she had for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fortunately, I was I was forced to just grow up at an early age. And my mom, uh, she did a great job preparing me for, uh, if something ever happens to her, she prepared me for that moment. So I I think I was in good position mentally.
3: Wow, I mean, that is an incredible story. And thank you for sharing that testimony with us. I also lost my mother at a young age, so I completely understand um, how impactful that is. Um, But then you transitioned to this illustrious career in the NFL. How did you make that happen? You know, you're caring for your younger siblings, but you're this all-star athlete. Talk about that.
4: Well, I I think uh, early on, you know, I started playing sports. You know, I was definitely playing football when I was seven, started playing organized sports when I was 10. And I just think over the years, I played every sport. I played football, basketball, baseball. I ran track. You know, (laughs) I wish they would have had soccer back then, right? I mean, I would have did soccer, but... I think all of those uh, sports helped really uh, help me mentally and physically develop my skill set. And being a small guy, I mean, I was small. Being a small guy, um, you know, I I love the game of football. And for me, it it just took that I had to work more. I had to Mm. do more. I had to go out and and prepare myself more than the, the average guy because I wasn't the biggest you know, I can run, but, you know, most football was a physical sport. Absolutely. So I had to make sure that I can survive and sustain. And I just did everything I can. I, I sacrificed. A lot of times when when you want to be consistent or really good at something, great at something, you have to sacrifice. And I sacrificed a lot. You know, I took care of my family first, but then my own personal life took a back seat because I was so focused on making sure that I could sustained so i got a scholarship you know in high school to florida state university and um i went there i was last on a depth chart after you know the one week in training camp my freshman year you know i moved up to like third on the depth chart. so it was you know because i proved early on that you know i don't care that i'm small and i was only i was 150 pounds when i went there (laughs) yeah that was crazy right and but no one could tackle me. I made guys miss. And then that's when I, w- I played my freshman year. And and after that, I started starting uh, my sophomore year. And the rest is history. So it just really pushed me just to be the best that I can be. And I've always prepared myself for the moment. And now it's really m- more of my mantra in the sense that, you know what, when they call my number, I'm not the biggest you know, I you can't always say you're the fastest. You know, but I knew that I had ability that I'm going to prove that I can be durable and I can sustain and get through the fire. Um, but also, just be ready for when your number's called. And I was always trying to make sure that I was ready for when my number was called. And you know, I was able to survive for for 12 years. And I I wrote a book. You know, after uh, I finished playing and called running for my life, because Ooh. during those 12 years, I was literally running for my life <laughs> on the football field. I, I like that. I was only 180-pound, 5'9", running back, 180 pounds. Most people thought I was 200 and something. So I was running. I was just playing, having fun, and, and uh, you know, just trying to live the best life that I could under the circumstances.
3: So at this point now, you've been drafted into the NFL in 97, was Seven. it? Had you written
4: the book yet? Uh, no, I didn't write my book until 2000. I was working on 2007, and um, I retired in 2009. So 2008, it came out in 2008. And I was just at a point where I wanted to share my story, but I've also wanted to talk a lot about mental health, mm-hmm. um, just the struggles that I had of being depressed you know, for so many years, not knowing it, just coasting through life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, figuring out a way that, you know, hearing the story and now figuring out the path of how we move forward and, and, you know, counseling really helped me move forward and just become a better overall human. So I just think, um, you know, it's good for me to, and it was something I wanted to do is really open up about counseling and the importance of it.
3: You know, and I mean, as soon as someone brings that up on the show, I always like to touch on it because I think it's a narrative that gets lost a lot that black men don't go to counseling, especially in our community. These are things that we don't talk about. And, you know, I think about my own sort of grief history with my mom, like in the black community, it's kind of like button it up and just buck up and keep moving. And I think that narrative is changing right now. So having you write a book and talk about it opening, I mean, you're helping so many more people.
4: Well, I just think, you know, it is a, a, in a black community, you know, going to counseling and being a football player. That's we Yeah. You know, that's just something that we, we don't do. Because you're but, supposed to be tough you know, and I, take all the
3: hits and just keep moving.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> really? what they think. But that's not life. We yeah. put our pants on just like everyone else. Yeah. And the more that, you know, I learn about counseling, I took it upon myself to reach out to a friend to help me find a counselor. And I heard a story, reached out to a friend and said, this is something I need to do for me. Because I just look back on my life all those years since my mom, Yeah, I was depressed and I was just coasting through life. You got to think for four years in college, I didn't go out. I didn't party. I didn't do anything. I mean, I was just football school, football family. Right. And it was more like School, family, and football, you know, football came last. And, you know, that was my focus forever. But, you know, I started moved to Atlanta after I left Tampa, and, and I really started to focus on how can I just be better? What do I need to do? And I just came to the realization that I think I need counseling. Mm-hmm. And I did it in shame, honestly, in the beginning, because when I talked to the counselor, I told the counselor, look, I'm work done. You know, I played for the Atlanta Falcons. I can't come to the front. Can I come in the back yeah. side door? Yeah. And you know, they told me everything. And, you know, I was shameful. But after like six months, six to nine months, I didn't care anymore. You know, I was just like, I'm gonna tell the world. You know, and I was able wow. to share that that I started going to counseling because I be I much more confident in myself. But you know, it's just I wasn't ashamed that I was. Feeling better. Yeah. Being better. Yeah. You know, and that's that's life. A lot of times we are ashamed of certain things and and we're not you know, I wasn't afraid to help myself. And, you know, really, that's what like my future philanthropic and all those things. That's what it's about. You know, you we all have to do our part. I did my part early on, but, you know, we all have to do our part to move forward and be better.
3: Wow, no, I really appreciate that and I'm sure so many appreciate the courage that you had to share your story and you know give other people the tools to really impacting their own mental health and taking it into their own hands. So let's segue a little bit. I want to talk about, you know, your career in the NFL and the business side of it? Because you were, you know, you're just a young kid. There's so many people out there who are watching, who are considering, you know, or hoping to get into the NFL. Talk about, um, you know, those first early days when you were negotiating contracts and what team you were going to go to. How did you have the business savvy to understand what was really the opportunity being placed in front of you?
4: Well, I think for me, you know, I had to learn about money management at 18 years old. And I really had to understand, you know, do I spend on wants or do I spend on need? And when you're trying to take care of five other individuals, my focus was more on need. Right. And, you know, since I I became the breadwinner after my mom because all the money was in my name. So I had to, you know, make sure, you know, that we were able to pay bills to me. I bought a house with the with her uh, the insurance policy at 18 years old and you have money left over. So you're trying to manage all of that stuff. And I just really grew up on a need basis. And and once I got drafted, you know, I hired an agent Mm -hmm. and tried to learn about it, uh, about that process of how much you pay an agent. And, you know, so I was just like, okay, I got to try to keep as much money as possible. But, you know, I held out for what I thought was fair for me when I got drafted by the ten of Big Buccaneers, and I ended up getting a nice signing bonus, and I didn't take the signing bonus and all of a sudden go out and buy a Phantom right. and, and Rolls Royce and nothing like that. I I really, I had a 1993 Mitsubishi Galant that I that I drove. I continued to drive that car, and I and I had a uh, I, I rushed for 210 yards. That car parked next to Phantoms and Bentleys, <laughs> you know, on a Sunday. But
3: that's a rarity, uh, I am sure. I,
4: <laughs> but I, you know, the, the thing is, I really just focused more on just trying to make sure that I was, you know, uh, spending more on need and not necessarily all the things that I wanted. And, you know, I didn't buy my first car till like my ninth year in the league. Um, you know, I bought my family cars, I bought those guys' cars because, you know, I bought that's what they needed. And sometimes you do things because, okay, yeah. that's what they want. It's, it's right to do. And, you know, but I bought, I bought my second home, you know, my uh, my rookie year, in the middle of my rookie year. People don't know this, that, you know, Rondé, Barbara and I, we stayed in a hotel, Homestead Village Suites, for half the football season. And that was, what, twenty like $29 a night. I had unlimited parking. I had maid service and everything. So, you know. I was, I was, you know, okay, I Okay, what's money. really
3: funny about this is every other story would be, I was living large at the Four Seasons, you're at the Homestead Suites, and and you even said, I had maid service for $29 a month.
4: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I had unlimited, you know, phone calls. I, I, you know, it was, it was crazy. I mean, listen, unlimited parking, you know, usually at the hotels, you got to yeah. pay to park overnight. Shoot.
3: Man, this is, you know, it's, it's it's about you know. mindset, though, you know? I mean, even hearing you talk about it, you're like, I was living, I had a maid service, I had unlimited, it's about mindset and fast forward, you, yeah. you know, you carried that mindset through to prosperity and abundance and you've kept it.
4: <laughs> you know, well, you know, I, I, I did, I, I kept that mindset because the one thing is for me, I didn't forget where I came from, right? I knew my struggles. I mean, we didn't have a lot. My mom made $36,000 raising six kids. That's not a lot, you know, reason, you know, we lived from house to house to house because we couldn't afford money to make a down payment or to purchase a house. We had to rent. And sometimes because she was a police officer, right. rent was free at an apartment complex because she was the security. So, you know, we figured out a wow. way to, to, you know, to to move around. And I really just took that same mentality that man, it's really more about need. Do I really need A Phantom? Do I need Gucci, Louis? I mean, I'm not really into that stuff. Prada, you know, you want quality stuff, you know. But do I need the the big name? That's not gonna make me a better person. Mm -hmm. And I I just think sometimes we get lost in that, and that really wasn't my focus then. I was really more focused on my responsibilities to take care of my brothers and sisters. If I don't do that, my mom's gonna turn over in her grave.
3: Yep. Yeah, so this has become an absolute lifestyle for you now. You know, you've had this illustrious career in the NFL, and it's come full circle because you're also a part owner of the Atlanta Falcons, am I correct?
4: I I am, I am, and trust me, I had to manage dollars in order to do that. I wasn't the highest paid player. I, you know, I, I wish I'd had contracts like these guys today, but, you know, that was, be, you know, that was after me and right. my time. We were just trying to make what we can make. So for me, you know, I was able to manage, you know, my money to where I was able to save enough that I could you know, put money away and, and, and act like it was gone, forgotten yeah. about because it, it is an investment long term. Yeah. You know, when you like to put money into the Atlanta Falcons and, you know, I had to pretend that money was non-existent. So it's my lifestyle going to change. And that's the one thing that I was focused on is that I didn't want my lifestyle to change and it hasn't. So I, I've tried to do a good I, I, I think I've done an okay job of, of managing um, the yeah. dollars so far during yeah. this time.
3: No and I I think so many people will appreciate this story because you know we often hear the opposite side of the coin where the money is lost or spent on phantoms and all that. But I also want to flip now to your long history of philanthropic endeavors Um, and let's start at the beginning. When did you really start um, you know following this passion of building houses and giving back to the community?
4: Well, uh, I think for me, that started in 1997 when I was drafted by the 10 big Buccaneers and coach Tony Dungy, you know, he took all the rookies every year and took us into a room. And this this year we were in one Buccaneer place and we just met in the the, uh, locker room. And he was really more about if you're going to live here and play here, you need to give back and care about the people in your community. And. I was like, wow, what can I do? And I kept thinking and thinking and thinking, like, what can I do to help people? You know, it's important. I hear what coach is saying. I want to do something. And I thought about it for a couple of days and I thought about my mom. Mm -hmm. My mom issue was she couldn't afford to save up for a down payment. Even if we moved into the home, we couldn't fully furnish the home. And, you know, that's how I came up with the, the idea of homes for the holidays you know, helping single parent. And first it was just single moms, right? Yeah. But over the years we transitioned to single parents and how can we help individuals have a true fresh start to home ownership? And that's how the program was started. We did it. It was a program for five years. And when I moved to Atlanta, I became Atlanta Falcon, I started a nonprofit and, um, you know, it was part of my program. And it's it's been going ever since. We're, we're almost a year... 24 of doing wow. this and we're up to 190 I don't want to get this wrong 194 single parent families that we've helped
3: well wait 50, wait you've built almost 200 <laughs> homes for single parent families
4: yeah, well we partner so we don't yep. we don't actually do all the bills so we partner we partner with you know CDC or lately it's been mainly Habitat right so You know, they help us prepare the mom for home ownership, And we come in and we give the $5,000 down payment and we fully furnish the homes with food, furniture, linens, gratis, TVs, all the way down to the toothbrush. So you you pretty much just have to bring your clothes. Right. And for me, you know, that was my mom's issue. Her struggle was saving up for the down payment. Now, if we did How are we going to outfit this entire house to have all the things that we need? And, you know, today with 15 states, 24 markets, we've been able to really help uh, a lot of families. And we have a 92% success rate of families that are in their home or they sold their home and bought another home. So, you know, it's uh, it's been it's been fruitful to see the growth of individuals and how they move forward because they had to put in the work. Yeah. We do our part and they still have to do their part. So I'm just thankful that people allow me the opportunity to help them.
3: That is, I mean, a tremendous opportunity and just the amount of families that you've placed in homes. And I think it also it like from what you're saying, a ninety-two percent success rate, you're now educating and teaching people on how home ownership can change their wealth capabilities for families. And I think that is just really a phenomenal thing. And we're really, we're really happy to hear more about that.
2: Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi
1: there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull.
3: A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink
1: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Let's go back to talking about running nonprofits. You have um, the work done charity, and under that umbrella, there's several. I mean, you have your housing initiatives, Count on Your Future, Sculpt, and Hearts for Community Service. And I want to touch on all of them because I think they're all incredibly important. Can we talk about Count Your Future?
4: Yeah, on Your Future is a financial literacy program that we we started on a few years ago. And I forget when we started it, but I just got to the point where after, you know, working with the families and meeting with the families, you know, we wanted to try to figure out uh, how can we help assist and support them through their, their journey of home ownership. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it came about, just doing research. And for us, you know, Everybody's educating people on checks and balances and so forth. And that's like the basics. Right. But we wanted to dig a little bit deeper. What we really talk about, you know, saving, you know, investing and saving money. And for us, the caveat is really is that if you go through our program, you invest up to $500, we will match you up to $500 to start a savings account, and you have access to a financial advisor for two years. So to me, that's like, hey, you have opportunity to meet with them, work on monthly budgeting, you know, just really talk about your overarching goals. And right now, because we started the program, and that's how things are, we're continuing to really work on how do we continue to improve the program make it better just going in the future because we want people to really understand compounding interest, meaning that if you put money into a, an, an account, you know, today and let that money just grow compound yeah. over the years In 10 years, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. You can see you can go from having, you know, $10,000 or $5,000 to, you know, 680000 yes. I mean, or, or 100000 It really depends, you know you know, the type of investment, but people sometimes don't have that patience. So mm-hmm. we're really just trying to grow uh, what we do with that program to, to educate people about the importance of saving money, letting me stay the account. And, you know, what I'm starting to tell them now is that you need to really have an account for housing, right? Yeah. You need to have a house account because things break all the time. And, you know, people come out who, who's fixing things that break, they want their money now. Yep. So why not plan for that? So you you have a savings account, you have a house account to help, help keep your house and spend your money on the things that you need as a family, not necessarily things Once. that you want, yes. on the things that you need. And, you know, that's really more of That program now is that we're really trying to incentivize them. But what's sad about the program is that the people don't follow through. You know, we don't have a really high success rate of individuals following through on that investment. And that's the one thing I'm trying to work on just moving forward is like, how do we get people to cross the finish line, across the goal line? And, you know, and go for that two point conversion and since I kick the extra right, point right. <laughs> to, to get that investment. So that's the one thing do we're trying because, I to think it is Because, I mean, that. you
3: know, it's such an interesting thing. You're like, hey, we're offering five hundred dollars. We're going to match it, you know, and it's just is it just I mean, I think it takes time. And part of what you're doing, what we're trying to do with Greenwood and Money Moves is really like realigning how people think. And, you know, we've had just years and years of generations where people have had mistrust about banking or just haven't talked about it enough. And I think like these conversations are really going to sort of change it. Maybe not for, you know, our parents generation, but like for future generations to come. So I feel like the work you're doing is invaluable, but we've got to like really just change how people look at saving.
4: Well, if you if you think about it, it's hard to change somebody, yeah. right? Because they've lived a certain life a certain way, and it's about you know not just survival, but they want to do oh this person has that, why can't I have that? Oh, I need to go and buy, you know, the Mercedes. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the monthly upkeep, buying the gas for an expensive car like that. that that's premium and not necessarily just regular. That cost money yep. the maintenance to get a service job i mean things like that of educating people but it's really about you know changing the habits over time so you know you have to hold people accountable we can educate them but how do we hold them accountable mm-hmm. change those bad habits and turn them into something positive that can help them long term mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and you know that's the problem right and For us, you know, that's our challenge and that's what we're trying to work on. Like, how do we create better habits, you know, long term for individuals so that we can change that thought process of wants and put it towards more of the things that I need to live a good life? Not saying that you can't go out and buy those things or, you know, take this trip but save for it, save you know, for plan it. for it yeah. down the road. And it shouldn't just be something that, oh, I'm just, oh, I want to get, I see somebody else with it. Oh, let me go get this. Let me go get that. No, right. you can still live a good life, a successful life, you know, by spending, you know, buying things and getting the things that you need instead of things you want.
3: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I just, I love that. that message just needs to be shouted from the rooftops. And I think it's just repetition and having it more readily available on your platforms, on our platforms. And we'll we'll get the message, we'll we'll get there. And last but not least, I don't want to miss out on your community service scholarships program as well.
4: Oh, yeah. So we have a scholarship program, uh, for Community Service, where you know, in the past years, it was $1,000. This year, we raised it to $5,000 because I felt like that's more of an impact. So we went yeah. from 20 recipients to 10. And hopefully, over the course of time, we're going to get back to, t- you know, the goal is to get back to having 20 recipients receive $5,000 because I think it's important that we help people that are going above and beyond, not just great academically, but they're also involved in their community. They're actually supporting people in their community, giving back. And if you can help people that are mm-hmm. trying to help other people move forward, that's what it's about, and that's what hard community service is all about.
3: Okay, so now there's the thing. I mean, you have all these nonprofits, but there's a business to running non nonprofits. Do you fundraise for this, or is this all coming out of your pocket? How do you make this magic happen?
4: Well, I, I've gotten past the part of using my own funds yeah. for it, so we have to, we have to fundraise. When I started the nonprofit, yes, I put my own money in it to get it going. Uh, but now, we try to create partnerships. We try to uh, have fundraisers, raise money, and people can donate. Like if they went to wdc.org, they can learn more about our programs. Okay. They can also donate, right? Because we, to do the work, we need support yes. we need community support and yeah. um the nonprofit is is really you know we're going we're fundraising we, we're constantly trying to uh raise awareness raise the understanding the need for housing that solves a lot of yeah. social and society issues and we can create stable housing for families we can do a lot of positive things build healthy communities and that's what it's really about so i have. And I have worked on charities, but also have an entity called WD Communities and as a nonprofit where we're building housing. So, you know, these things coexist together in a sense where we're just trying to help families, you know, uh, with housing.
3: Yeah. Oh, Warwick, this is incredible. What you continue to do for our community (laughs) is truly a gift, a gift for so many. And last but not least, because you have so many different initiatives, can you tell us about Sculpt?
4: Yes, ma'am. So Scope is a healthy food initiative where we try to educate families on quick and healthy meals to cook. Mm-hmm. You know, we've gotten to the point now uh, because of child obesity in this country and, you know, uh, low-income communities really rely on more fast food chains. That's not a healthy meal or no. uh, necessarily a healthy diet, Eat a lot of, drink a lot of sodas. We try to get families to now Grow and build. They build their own vegetable boxes wow. and they grow their own vegetables in their backyard. So we're getting to the point where now we're trying to encourage them to grow their own vegetables in their backyard. And you know that program is just really taken off because people have opportunity to grow the things they love in their backyard. It, I mean, and that reduces cost on buying things in the, at the grocery store. So if we can help with all of that stuff, we're doing it. So scope is, is is important because you know, uh, diabetes, you know, heart blood pressure, a lot of things now. Yeah. So in, in our, in our culture, you know, are issues. So how can we help you know, our kids be healthy, but we also have to encourage them to get outside and play and play. They sit inside. Yeah. They, they don't play outside anymore. So get outside from behind the computer, video games, go out and enjoy outside, you know, with the sun shining down and need natural vitamin D. Right? Yep. I mean, so it's. It's certain things that we're trying to really incentivize families to do moving forward with scope.
3: And you know what? I think also something that I love about this program, and there's something to be said for growing something, you know, coming back a week later and seeing the progress of your plants, they've sprouted, like you actually created something. It's, a, it's the ownership when you can actually harvest your own vegetables or whatever it is, herbs, fruits. I think that's yeah. such a great thing for kids to learn as well.
4: Well, just so you know, I, I grow my own vegetables in my backyard, yeah. so I do it. I got cucumbers and tomatoes are simple things, easy things to do. I've done corn we've you know, growing herbs and stuff. So it's things that you can do yep. uh, in your backyard and I do it and I actually eat it. I mean, it's, it's really good, too. So, you know, saving money. I mean, yep. I like it. You know, Next thing you know, you'll have a chicken coop
3: <laughs> and you'll have fresh I, eggs every yet. morning.
4: Well, not yet. I thought about it. Yeah. You know, it's like you want to have chickens and lay your own eggs, you know, and I, I got to make sure I'm zoned for that. Right. <laughs> no, it, it's but definitely. i, I put a little in the back. Yeah.
3: Um what's fascinating to me is, you know, oftentimes people think like, "Oh, you're a football player, you make all this money, you just kick your legs up and like enjoy life for the rest of, you know, your days." But you were involved in so many different initiatives and you're also selling insurance now. So you
4: don't yeah, ever I rest. Yeah, well I have a lot of jobs. I tell people I have a lot of jobs. Like I work part-time for the NFL, you know. Um, I work with retired players, the Legends program, you know, I sell life insurance, you know, I do public speaking, I make a I mean, I you know, I like to stay busy. Yeah. I mean, that's I grew up in, a, in an environment where my grandfather was a, a entrepreneur early on. He changed tires. He sold watermelons, firecrackers, pecan candy. I mean, we did it all. Yes. And so I saw firsthand what my grandfather did. And for me, it's just like, you know, I learned something. I knew how hard my mom worked. Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel like you can just sit back and rest on your laurels. And the thing is, for me, it's not that i i need the money you know i think it's important yeah. that i continue to work ethic so that i can show you know my family that no matter my no matter what my journey has been it's important that we do something be productive in society so selling life insurance is a need i, I lie in a black community black and brown community we don't you know resort to life insurance, yeah. right? And so that's things that we need to educate and continue to get people to understand that these there are opportunities for us to better secure our future when we want to lead that generational wealth, yeah. right? And, and why is it that people don't
3: understand that? Like, give us an example of why, you know, life insurance is so important, because I don't think people, this this message connects with our community.
4: Well, when you when you think about life insurance, you know some, you know, as a as a parent, you, you're out, you're trying, you put, you, you have life insurance so that if something happens to you, mm-hmm. that, that your family don't have this income coming in. You have a policy that can help support that lost income yeah. over the course of time, and that's right. what you do, right? And you you pay a monthly premium, or you can pay bi monthly, or every six months, a yearly premium to You know, get this. And it's called term policies, you know, whole life policies, variable policies that you can do. And it's term is usually for individuals that are just starting off in the workplace and they're growing over the course of time. And when you get whole life and variable, that is where now the money that you actually put in is actually growing and working and you can use that as tax-free take that money out and tax-free as it grows right people don't realize that so this is stuff that now what you do is you leave this for your family yeah. right for kids this is part of part of your estate so if something happens to you Your family would have something that they could use to if they're, you know, trying to get back on their feet or, you know, trying to make sure their footing is solid for a little bit so that now, you know, then you push them to do the same thing as well. But that's what life insurance is all about. It is it is is a support mechanism. And it doesn't, you know, depending on what type of policy you have and your health conditions, you know, you can you can manage that. So these are things that people actually need. Cause we always talk about generational wealth, right? Yeah. That's just a, a, a one tool that you can use to create that generational wealth path. So if something happens to you or your significant other,
3: Wow, Warwick, you really are a wealth of information. And again, I just commend you on all that you're doing for our community and just in order to educate so many and provide shelter and good food and healthy choices and financial literacy for so many. Can you tell us what's next for you and also where people can find you on social media so they can follow all the great things you're doing?
4: I just wanna grow our, our impact so we can grow and help more people overall. And you know, when social i'm at warwick done it's simple work done uh twitter instagram i mean i'm on linkedin
3: Oh, I love that. Well, we are excited to see what's more to come for you. And thank you for being such a champion of everything from mental health to housing, to family, and of course, football. I want to make sure that we remind people to check out your book as well, running for your life. Um, you know, I'm sure it's a, it is a classic and they can still find it on shelves everywhere. So thank you so much for coming on our show Warwick. You've truly been encouraging and I look forward to hearing all about the people's lives that you are changing through your charities. Thank you again.
4: Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on.
3: Thank you. Money Movers, make sure to follow Warwick on all his social media handles and go and support his charities at wdc.org. All right, Money Movers, that is all the time we have for today. Make sure to tune in Monday through Friday and subscribe to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood so that you can have the keys to the financial freedom you so rightly deserve.